From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Thursday, July 7th. A study from the Chem C. Gardner Policy Institute provides a snapshot of the number of short-term rentals in Utah. Not surprisingly for residents, Grand County is near the top. Justin Higginbottom speaks with the author of this study about our state of Airbnb affairs. Living in Moab, it may seem like everyone in the state is dealing with the rise in short-term rentals, listings on platforms like Airbnb sucking up housing options. But a recent study says these rentals are pretty concentrated in counties like Summit and Grand. Big picture, as a state, it only accounts for less than 2% of total housing supply. That's Dayan Eskich. He's a senior research fellow at the Kemsey Gardner Policy Institute. Short-term rentals only made up about 1.6% of total housing in Utah. But Summit County, the home of Park City, has the highest share, taking up around 23% of that region's housing. And Grand County comes in second. Around one in five homes in our area were listed on rental sites in 2021. That's up about 4% from 2020 and totals around 1,000 homes. What's similar between Grand and Summit? They're both major global destinations for tourism. The study didn't look at the relation between housing affordability and the number of short-term rentals, but there's other research that confirms that trend and countless anecdotes in our region. The count also admitted things like bed and breakfasts or glamping sites, and it doesn't account for second homes sitting empty for much of the year. Eskitsch says that more people are putting their entire homes up for short-term rental, rather than just a room. In 2019, there were nearly 13,000 whole houses listed in Utah. In 2021, that number increased by over 4,000. In terms of regulation, Eskitsch says that it's complicated. What I've learned through doing this research is, is there's a cash point too, because if Grand County eliminated all of its short-term rentals, it would have a huge negative impact on the economy. So something like a statewide ban probably wouldn't be best. Moab passed an ordinance in 2019 requiring a business license for rentals, restricting zones where owners could rent, and placed a moratorium on construction for overnight options. Since that ordinance, the number of short-term rentals increased by over 11% to 355 residences. Justin Higginbottom for KZMU News. Moab City needs housing for the local workforce. And last fall, the city's elected officials and staff floated an idea. What if developers in certain residential zones were required to set aside a portion of their project to the local workforce? After months of work and data collection, the active employment ordinance was all set to pass this spring, but it hit a major snag. Concerns from private property rights groups, along with the potential threat of legal action. So elected officials have been in negotiation mode. One of the groups raising concerns is the Utah Association of Realtors. Peter Christensen from their central board has been involved in these talks. He's on the newscast today and explains their position. A few months ago, Moab City seemed like they were going to vote on something they're calling the active employment ordinance. Um, And at the time, that would have set aside over 40% of new development for the local workforce. And then elected officials said they were not going to vote on it. They were actually engaging in some um, negotiations with state lawmakers, um, private property rights groups, and Utah realtors on the ordinance um, who expressed some concerns. 
Um, do you mind shedding some light on some of those concerns from Utah Realtors? So anytime government places constraints on a property, it has some effect, right? Some of it intended, some of it unintended. Where we're very focused on private property rights, on the real estate industry and market and transferability of property. And so we thought we might be able to offer some unique input specific to that. Knowing that there's well-meaning intent with this ordinance and they're trying to solve a legitimate problem, we just wanted to bring maybe some of our expertise to the table to see if we could avoid some unintended consequences. Yeah, sure. So, you know, you mentioned unintended consequences and um, private property rights. Was there initial concern that this ordinance could infringe upon private property rights? Well, sure. Anytime a municipality puts any type of restriction on a, a piece of property, which this one would, right, and allocating a certain percentage that would have to be used in a certain way or sold in a certain way, It's a restraint. It is limiting the use of the property to whom you can rent, to whom you can sell. So that's a that's a big deal if you're a property owner. Sometimes when you throw in restraints on property, it can have an effect on the profitability of future projects. And so maybe the the intent is will increase the housing stock and increase it for a certain segment of the population. But if what it does unintendedly lowers the value of the property or what someone could get out of the use of the property, then that severely restricts what might go in there. So saying, hey, just make more housing for the workforce. Sounds great. However, if the constraints put in place don't allow the development to be built because it doesn't pencil anymore, then what you get is nothing. And so there are ways we can fashion it differently that may better address the problem, still give that increase of workforce housing, but maybe not handcuff a landowner so much. It's a tough line to walk. You're right. It is a fine line to walk between government regulation and private property rights. And it's a it's a dance we do in this nation all the time. We all certainly have restrictions on our property rights, but uh, we do advocate for those restrictions to be meaningful without being overbearing. What is a good solution in your mind to make this an ordinance that can work for everyone, that could um, provide one solution out of many um, to Moab's housing crisis um, without also restraining private property owners um, like the folks that you guys are concerned about? I think that requires a a city to think outside the box and ease up on certain restrictions in order to impose others, you know, kind of a give and take where, hey, if if we can be allowed to do this, then we can guarantee you more of this product or this style or or this price point or whatever the case may be. But I, I found that the one size fits all ordinance, it's really hard. It's really hard because, you know, as they say with clothing, you know, one size fits all. I mean, it, that means it doesn't fit anyone well. So you've got this tough, tough task of trying to create an ordinance that gets you what you want, but also allows the landowner to use the property in a way that maybe they counted on for their retirement or their investment in the land. And so I think it's best when 
if there is going to be some ordinance, which I think there will be, then it's got to be crafted in a way that allows it flexibility. And if I'm understanding you correctly, is it like, okay, so say the city wants X amount of units to be for the local workforce. Um, Is it a matter of them saying, how do we get there with a developer or a landowner by like, I don't know, easing up on parking restrictions or... Um, <laughs> I don't know if the city offers a discount on impact fees or, you know, something like that. I don't know. Um, is that yeah. what we're talking about? Yes, that's that's the, the type of process we're talking about. You hit it on the head with negotiating, maybe requiring a little less of that or a little more of this in exchange for deed restrictions or guarantee this or that out of the project. And do you have any predictions on when this... Uh, active employment ordinance might reach a good compromise. <laughs> uh, I I really you know we we've been meeting and I cannot say enough how much I appreciate uh, the mayor and council for um, engaging. So they don't have to engage us. Nobody has to listen, but they have and they've been really really gracious. I know they would like to see this resolved soon. Uh, I don't think it'll be in the long future. I think it'll be in the near future. That's Peter Christensen, CEO of the Utah Central Association of Realtors. His group has been involved in the ongoing negotiations around Moab City's active employment ordinance, which would set aside a portion of new development in certain zones for workforce housing. The city council had the ordinance on their meeting agenda last week, but discussed it in a closed session. And that's the KZMU News for Thursday, July 7th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.